Hi, I'm Weird Al Yankovic, and you're listening to the Pantheon Network. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready to climb into the musical memory machine and take a trip back to 1994 as we revisit the music that came out 30 years ago. 1994 was a year that defined our generation when Kurt Cobain took his own life. We also got important albums like Purple from Stone Temple Pilots, Super Unknown by Soundgarden, 16 Stone from Bush, Jar Flies by Allison Chains, Throwing Copper from Live, and Vitology from Pearl Jam. R.E.M. tried to plug in with Monster, while Nirvana unplugged on MTV. Mariah Carey transformed into a Christmas character, while Green Day and Offspring pushed punk onto the radio. Hootie and the Blowfish, the Dave Matthews Band, the Cranberries, and Blues Traveler all entered the scene and helped define that mid-90s alternative sound. Hip-hop had a fresh year with albums from Nas, the Beastie Boys, Bone Thugs and Harmony, and a newcomer called the Notorious B.I.G. So join the Prisoners of Rock and Roll as we break out our flannel shirts and take a look back at the music of 1994. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Prisoners of Rock and Roll, episode number 78. My name is Bruce Kramer, and I'm rocking my flannel shirt and my Doc Martens tonight with a man who is my friend first and my co-host second, the one and only Ryan McCusker. Are you rocking? Prisoners of Rock and Roll, sponsored by Boldfoot Socks, as well as McCusker's Tavern in Philadelphia, and our show is proudly part of the family over at the Pantheon Podcast Network. What's going on, brother? I'm ready to rock and roll, brother. 1994. The year we graduated high school. Shit. Holy shit, Mio. Uh, what happened? Uh, You're saying it feels like yesterday. I said it feels like it was 30 years ago. <laughs> 30 years ago, yeah. I did a lot of living in the 30 years. There's a lot of music on this uh, this playlist that was really important to me growing up. I just sure. like there's there's a handful of these albums that were just really important parts of my listening rotation and there's a lot of shit that i still listen to well you know i was thinking bruce these songs are so great they never went away these songs the most of these songs never went away they just kept playing and playing and playing for the last 30 years there wasn't many songs that i had to go like oh i remember that tune no i i barely even listen to the playlist because it's all on the radio all the time 
I, I was listening to it a lot uh, over the weekend. I was doing some stuff in my, my pub shed, my backyard, moving some things around, including framing my poster from the McCusker's 45th anniversary party. I bought a frame Ooh. for it to hang it on the wall. That's a collector's item, my friend. It is a collector's item. It's individually numbered. But uh, yes, yeah, I, d- I did that myself. Awesome. And yeah. uh, so I was listening to the playlist a lot and I was watching a lot of these music videos and it was great. It was just a cool trip down memory lane. I, you know, I had a, a lot of fun in 94. That's the first year I saw Fish in concert. Okay. So, like, while everybody was, like, listening to Nirvana, listening to Stone Top Pilots, Soundgarden, I was listening to Fish. You know, I was doing something totally different than the grunge thing. You know, like, uh, maybe the grunge thing was a little bit too sad for me. Okay. Maybe, I don't think it had the musicianship, you know, like, that I was searching for. You've said that before, that grunge was was too much of a bummer for you. I tend to like music fun. None of that, besides like some Pearl Jam songs, none of it seemed fun at all. I mean, there was some aggression in Nirvana that was fun. I think you can't teach what those guys did, and that's passion. And that's what grunge was mostly was, was passion. That's And that's fair. I mean, it, I guess it kind of comes out of the punk movement too a little bit with like the apathy and the attitude and shit like that it's interesting too because like trying to trying to organize all this stuff into like categories to talk about on the playlist it's kind of like the grunge thing was kind of almost over by now and a lot of that is that when kurt cobain died yeah right and uh in like april he he killed himself but some of these bands, like, you know, we can get into it, but it's like, is Stone Temple Pilots a grunge band? Is Bush a grunge band? I don't think so. Like, you know, sometimes think, they get yeah. thrown in that bucket. Sometimes they're not. I don't know. I think it's the same thing when, like, rock and roll bands came out in the 80s. They were called hair bands. No matter. Even the Black Crows were considered hair band in the beginning. Now they're on, like, the classic rock station because they fit more of that southern rock sound. But too bad they don't play anything else than uh, that tom jones song so i i got i put everything on here and i we was we're setting up i was like holy shit man we've got uh five hours of music on our playlist we won't be getting to everything but there's a ton of shit on here but before we got into it i just like i looked up like what happened in music some big things because i remember a couple of these things so like pink floyd went on their last tour did you go to that i was working that day I was working at Pet Boys and everybody went and I was the new guy. So they made me work and so I, I missed you, it. I think you and I are the only two people who didn't go because I every am. everybody I went to high school with, uh, the whole group I ran with, yeah. they all went. Oh, yeah. I still, I still curse people out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I miss, I was like, I'll catch them next time. And 94 was also, and I'll, I'll circle back, finish the list, but 94 was also, uh, like I was working in Sam Goody. So it was like a lot of these albums, like I was listening to them a lot because we were like playing them in the store to like promote things. So. Sure. But um, all right. So Pearl, Pink Floyd went on their last tour. Pearl Jam started their whole battle with Ticketmaster. Wow. Um, what a, yeah. Yeah. Um, the Good Eagles. Good luck with that shit. <laughs> yeah. They tried. They tried. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Eagles reunited with the Hell Freezes Over tour, and uh-huh. that was a big deal because that was the first time that arena show tickets went over a hundred dollars. I now remember like, that, right? I and how I, I remember that too. And I was like, I'm not going to that. A hundred bucks? Are you kidding? Yeah, I remember me? that. Yeah, I remember that being like a, an issue. 
Lisa Left Eye Lopez from TLC burns down Andre Risen's house. Yeah. She, she, she was thug. She was she put all his put all his shit in the bathtub, all his clothes, and lit it on fire and burned his house what, down. Was she thinking like the whole house wasn't gonna go up? <laughs> I have no idea. Like like the like the tub is safe. It's like a safe space. <laughs> right. Uh Woodstock ninety four happened. Okay. okay. Um David Crosby got his new liver. Yeah. Uh Warner Music bought forty nine percent of sub pop records. We did a whole show on sub pop and the grunge. Oh, and yeah. then of oh, course yeah. and then of course Kurt Cobain passed away. So that kind of like sets the stage of what was going on in music at the time. So all right. So uh the first bucket that I kind of put all these things into was grunge. And the first album I put on here on the top of the list, um, was Jar of Flies by Alice in Chains. They're one of my favorite bands from the 90s. I know um, they are. You're a big Link Stanley fan. I, I am. I uh, When I was working outside and I was listening to our playlist, I then went fired up the whole MTV Unplugged, and I watched the entire thing. I'm actually I'm working on a freelance article for uh, Pop Matters. I, I write for them sometimes. I'm writing cool. one on, on Jar of Flies. Oh, so, wow. This album was so cool because Alice in Chains to me was one of those bands. Like I didn't like the song Man in the Box. It just uh, it was weird. Sure. It was creepy. But I remember being in Tower Records and they were playing uh, Wood. I think it was the single soundtrack. Yeah. And I remember stopping yeah. and just going, what is this? I have yeah. to have this. Yes. And those are the coolest moments in music. When you hear something, you're just like, what is this? I, I need it. Especially in a record store, dude. Yeah. You know, I, I miss that. Like walking around a record store and you hear the overhead. Like what? What is that? You know, and you go running up to the guy asking him, like, "What are you playing right now? This is so cool." Yeah, and the good old days. And I remember when when Jar of Flies came out. I mean, I was already an Alice in Chains fan, and we're like, "Fuck yeah, new Alice in Chains!" And we like ripped it open and we put it in the cassette player, the CD player in the store. And then you hear it, and you're like, "What is this?" Because it's so different yeah, than anything else they it's did. So it's so like more of a unplugged kind of thing. Yeah, it's like there's some orchestra on it. It just showed that like the diversity that they had in their music that they were willing to do something so different. Yeah, Jerry Cantrell is a uh, a genius. And he and what he used Lane Stanley for, you know, in my eyes, Lane Stanley was the sideman. For a heavy band too, they they sang a lot of harmonies, the two of them together. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, dude. I, I mean, I could talk about this whole, this album for an hour, but you put uh, no excuses on here. Let's play a little bit of it. It's all It's just so smooth sounding uh, compared to some of their other, you know, there was so, yeah. their other stuff was so just like sloppy and, and grungy and sludgy. I love the sound of the drums on this. The, the I do snare, too. The snare drum just pops. You know, he's a great drummer. Probably one of the biggest albums of the year. And that was the TV Unplugged by Nirvana. Another group show on a completely different side of themselves with an album. And this, uh, I didn't, re I don't remember this, but this came out after Kurt Cobain died. Oh, I remember. 
Oh, absolutely. That's why it was so huge. It was like, like what, two, three months after he died, he came out? It was like right around the holiday. I think the beginning of the holiday season, it came out. What was great about the Nirvana one, you know, they showed them a different side. You think they were just a one-trick pony kind of thing. And here they were doing Lead Belly songs, just songs that you think you would never hear acoustically by Nirvana. They covered that Bowie song. That was huge. We did a whole show with the warden on MTV Unplugged, and just uh, just how I was talking to somebody at work about this the other day. Just how important, like culturally, in the music, MTV Unplugged was, right? To get to see to see this band doing something totally different. Yeah, in a cool setting. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's play a little bit of the man who sold the world. Wow. I remember coming out and then at the end of the song, he goes, that was a David Bowie song. And it like rocket shit. Like, you know, it was a huge success. I, he was like, he was only in the music scene for three years. Right. He dies. at Nevermind came out in 91 and he died in 94. And just how such a huge impact his music had to everybody our age. I mean, I know you, you're not a huge Nirvana fan, but, you know, no, in general. Just, you know, yeah, in general. Yeah. Uh, but I respect what he did. You know, his songwriting skills are fucking amazing. That to write this song in a like these songs in a pop way, it's brilliant. It just wasn't my thing. That's fair. I I have it on vinyl. It's one of my favorite vinyls to listen to now. Damn TV that, unplugged. Oh no! Uh, no, never mind. Never mind. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I got. I you. would like to have that on vinyl unplugged. That would be bad. I'm gonna look that up. I put Stone Temple Pilots in the grunge bucket again. Like, are they grunge? I don't yeah, think so. I think they are. Do you? Okay. Are. Yeah, they got a little crunch to them. Their first three albums are just, they all were just huge, huge smashes. They were fucking yeah. great. Right? It's like to, to do that consistently, just put up three banger albums in a row. You said banger. I did. I'm showing up <laughs> that you're a millennial. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Um, All right, <laughs> let me just play. Some, <laughs> let me play something. Just cut off my embarrassment here. <laughs> Scott Weiland was a genius in the studio. He was really talented, man. So I, talented. I mean, I love the way the opening guitar, like it, it comes in at you, like it waves at first yeah. instrumental before uh, the rest of the band kicks in. And they're another band I did not care for. They, I like I them a lot. He was a little bit too much for me, man. Yeah, I think he was a great front man. 
you know, he was definitely a sliver on the fucking stage, man, you know, but, um, man, he really did a great job in recording sessions. I mean, flawless and every song, he sounds like a different person, every song. He had that versatility with his voice, right? He could sound yeah. a little bit like Eddie Vedder and go real low and he could you know, go higher. Yeah, that's an album I, I still listen to. I was lucky enough. I saw them several times in this era. It was always cool because they would have like an acoustic set that they would have like in the ceiling and it would like drop down. And then like he and like one other dude would climb into it and they would do it like an, like four songs like acoustically. And then they would go back to like rocking out. It was cool. Another band that did MTV Unplugged and wasn't afraid to kind of show a different side of them. I love the MTV Unplugged, actually. I love he's sitting there in the uh, the rocking chair and he's like kind of chubby. It was like he wasn't like such a full-blown junkie yet. He has a chubby face. His voice is strong. It's a shame how he just, he went downhill fast. I mean, he was just a mess, famously not too far into their career right it would when slash is like i can't work with you anymore you're too much yeah. of an asshole with velvet revolver yeah. i've seen them a couple of times they were did fun. you yeah you i think it, you said you said on the show like a couple of years ago like that scott wyland desperately wanted to be david bowie oh and, god yeah i saw him i saw scott wyland on his solo tour for some reason i went and that whole soul album was like him wanting to be fucking Bowie, like hardcore. Like when we were talking about Bowie, the the this the plain white Duke, what, like yeah, that's the thin white Duke. That's like what he was going for. He probably had a contact in his eye to make him look like more like Bowie, one eye different than the other. But he was a great, he was great on stage. He was an awesome performer. I seen him. You said he he wasn't just a singer; he was a front man. Yeah, but he's an icon. Sure. Sure. You think they'll go you know, to Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Um, you know what, man? I'm kind of surprised that they haven't been nominated yet since you bring that up. But Soundgarden, they no, they're not in yet. So Sound, I think Soundgarden's got to get it before any of these other I bands agree. in this era. I agree. Pearl Jam, next on the list, man. The Vitology album. Great album, man. Did you get it at midnight when it came on sale? I did not. I was still so working in the music store. It was kind of like, all right, dude, I'll just get it the day it, it opens. I'll I'll throw a copy of it in the stock room for myself. But I remember like, um, you know, putting all the promotional stuff oh, yeah. everywhere on like end cap, you know, displays, and yeah, that was always the cool thing of uh, working in a music store back then. It would be like, you know, they'd bring you all kinds of posters and stuff to put up, and you'd you would take the stuff that you wanted all or when you're done with steal. it. <laughs> yeah, you'd, you'd take it home for yourself at the end when you're done with it. You'd get copies of stuff like two weeks ahead of time. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. It was the ass end of the music industry, but it was still a cool, yeah. you know, for a bunch of high school kids, it was a cool job. Oh, my God. It was the best job I ever fucking had, man. Holy shit. Yeah, it's because you met me. Yeah, of course. Right, right. The dynamic duo. <laughs> right, right. Here we are still talking about music 30 years later, but... Um, like, get some work done. <laughs> uh, here's a little bit of Better Man from Vitology. She opens the door. She rolls over. Pretends to sleep as he looks her She lies and says she's enough time. Can't find a better man. She dreams in color, she dreams in red. 
That's like two songs in one. And it just takes off. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. When they play that live, it's killer. That's as, a song. As much, as much as the songs played out, dude, when they play that live, they bring it, man. It's a song just listening to it. Just, I, it, I find it hard to believe that that song is 30 years old. But I was, it's, I, I was just listening to that. And like, imagine being like an intern at the record, like at the, the studio where they're recording. And you hear like the first draft of the song. Do you like automatically be like, holy shit, I'm, I'm hearing history right now. Like right off the bat, it's like a, it's a banger, dog. Right. I, but I, I think we had those experiences with some of this music when you're, when you're 17, 18 years old and you're so impressionable and you're not, you're not jaded about shit yet and dealing with your mortgage and you just, you're just, you know, the cliche of sitting in your room just listening to music. And I just said that because I, I was like, I don't want to go on the rant about like listen to it with headphones, but it's also like just listening to it and not doing anything else, right? Because yeah. every time I, I listen to a shit, so you're driving much music, in the car, you're right, you're doing right. housework, right? You're at work, yeah. the, you're you're running the bar. I'm sitting at my desk and just sitting yeah. there and just you're just focusing on it. Like that was what we used to do when we were kids, but it's like you don't do it that much anymore. I think it was a thing that was a lot with a high five like growing up you know like i was watching a movie from the 70s and the kid was living laying on the floor with the two speakers in between his head you know and uh he was really listening to it nobody listens to music like that anymore no henry i think henry rollins does but that's you know, yeah. most people now most people don't and out of all these bands we've talked about so far they're the only ones that are like still around i mean allison change is around but with a different singer and he's you know. good I, I like him too, but they're just—it's just a different. It's it's, no, not it's a Staley. different band. Yeah, yeah. 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 They be playing version. arenas. If Wayne Staley was still alive, they'd be playing arenas. Yeah, know? I watched uh, an interview with—I guess it was right when they they started recording with William Duvall, and it was all of them, and they were asking Jerry Cantrell about like dealing with Lane's death, and he was kind of like, "I wasn't surprised." He's like, "But we were, we were right there. We were ready to take that next step." in our career to like superstardom and the whole yeah. thing just, you know, when he died, but anyway. about that news, did you get that clipping I sent you? Yeah. Yeah. When he How passed about away, that? I clipped that out the day of his death or the day after his death. And it was just more about how they found this body. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know why I kept it, dude. Cause I don't even, I, I could care less, you know, and I found it in a book this week and here we're talking about it. Well, it was really sad how he died. Like they didn't find. But it wasn't a, a shocker. Days. It was like oh, no, about time. No, absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, especially we talk about him on the sessions of the faculty soundtrack. Yeah. You know, like he had no teeth. He was just fucked up. Totally abandoned. Uh, they needed that. All his demons is what made their music so good. But it also it ultimately killed him. Absolutely. Yeah. They definitely went to the dark side. Super unknown from Soundgarden comes out this year. I never need to hear Black Hole Sun ever no, again. But hell no. Spoonman's a good song. Other than that, Black Hole Sun, just because it was so friggin' overplayed. It's so big, man. Yeah. And that it was video, everywhere. The video was huge. Everything was melting and shit. Yep. It's like cutting edge graphics for nineteen ninety four. Let's play a little bit of Spoonman, because you're right. That just this just comes right out the gate. Just blow your spoon, man. It just blows you up. 
That would have yeah. that was like Lane Staley singing it, not not Chris Cornell. Aww. Yeah, yeah, man on a box. <laughs> Man, that is so like yeah, Matt I can Cameron. almost not hear them. They're so right with Matt Cameron's yeah. drumming. Yeah. Best drummer that came out of that time, dude. Out of the nineties? Oh yeah. Hands down. Best drummer come out of the nineties. He was so Chris Cornell is it sounds so like effortless. Like he just like he could just uncork those notes. I know we did a whole show on Chris Cornell. It's just like, man, just he he was that, a freak that, of nature. That You're voice just, is just so powerful. His octave range was huge. He's crazy, yeah. He could sing anything. He really could, right? Because remember, we played like that, uh, the theme for that show, Vinyl. He does like that old, like, soul cover, and we're just like, yeah. holy shit, what is that? Yeah. Even his, like, version of, like, Nothing Compares to You, you know, he's, he's just a great talent, and it's a shame he left us, too. Yeah, that really bothered. I talked about this before, but he he sound he, he was the guy that was still standing, right? He was supposed to be like that that grunge rocker who was supposed to be making music in his sixties and stuff, and really sad. Doesn't make any sense, you know. He went and played a show, played a killer show. Not you know, um, he just went back and did what he did. Just you know, mental illness, man. It's just a. It's but, just a. Oh, the oh. last song he did was uh, Jesus pose. Jesus He's, Christ pose. Yeah, and he stood up uh, there like he was hanging on the cross, and then like uh, two hours later he was dead. Yeah, so it's so tragic. That that I feel like that bothered me more than Kurt Cobain dying, but because he was he was older, more mature. Like you think he would uh, got over the hump. And you knew he had an alcohol problem, but yeah, he thought it was kind of like done with a lot of that shit, but yeah, I don't when, know. you know, he was very arrogant in the nineties, but when we went and saw him, those all those years ago, he was so humble. I couldn't fucking believe it. The reunion tour with Soundgarden. He was so humble. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe Cause every time I saw him, he was like, you guys are lucky to be here to see us. That was like his, uh, Hmm. His mo. Like, seriously, that's what he. That's what he seemed like. But when we saw him, he was just so humble. Yeah, I didn't see them in the nineties. I saw them a couple times after they re- they reunited that time with you, and then I saw him like at a festival, and I I saw Audio Slave a couple times. Yeah, I saw Audio Slave a few times. Yeah, I saw Soundgarden like three times. I saw Audio Slave once. I seen him on a solo tour. I caught him a lot. It's awesome. The next band, and yeah, maybe one of the most disliked gr- grunge bands of the 90s, and that's Hole. Wah, wah, wah. I don't even know what to fucking say about them. Can we just skip over them? We no, we got to play. We got to play that. Bag of the week. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. She is. Uh, are we even going to spend time on her? Here, let's play a little. Okay, that's good. That's enough. Yeah. Why give her any attention? 
Why give her any attention? I'm not going to waste our show time. I don't like her. I don't like that album. I don't like her. Pure at the end. She's an awful person. I liked uh, Melissa Oftemar, their bass player. I liked looking at Melissa Oftemar. <laughs> um, she she wound up going into uh She replaced Darcy in Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The redhead. She's, yeah, she's talented. Okay. Um, and the drummer went on to play for Motley Crue. Oh, really? Yeah. Her whole? Hmm. Yep. Okay. When Tommy uh, was in jail. Punk music, man. Punk, so 94, like, punk really takes a step forward into, like, the mainstream radio, and largely because of two albums. And the first one was Green Day's uh, major label debut album, Dookie. The album went diamond. It's crazy because, like, you know, reading a little bit about it, like, all their fans, like, the OG fans were called. So I just used OG and Banger in one show. <laughs> <laughs> What is happening to me? People were calling them a sellout for like going to a major label. It's like, you know, that's the yeah. whole thing is like the punk industry that you're just like, what the they're hell? Really, yeah, they're really uh, cruel and, and harsh, the punk rockers. I am too, though. I have my issues with Green Day. Now, when Green Day came out, I was already listening to punk. I was listening to the Ramones. I was listening to Clash. I was listening to Sex Pistols. Now, all these albums have a production on them that sound punk rock. Now, when Green Day came out, they came out with this overproduced album that sounds fucking amazing. I'm sorry. That's not punk. I could not not agree with you. I couldn't agree with you more that I don't put them in the same stratosphere as the Ramones and the Clash and the Sex Pistols. No, because it's it's just the production value sounds too good. Like, you know, the Ramones tried to sound a certain way. You know, the 70s had great recording studios and shit, but the, they wanted to sound a certain way. I, and, I mean, if you made a big timeline of punk music and like the Sex Pistols and the Ramones are on one side and like Avril Lavigne is on the other. Green Day is more towards the Ramones and the Sex Pistols, but yeah. they, but they're not. Yeah, they're they're not that that far extreme of it. I really dig them. I think Trey Cool is a great drummer. He's unbelievable. I think Joey. What's his name? Billy Joel. Billy, Billy Joe Joel Armstrong. Yeah, Billy Joel. Um, right. He he's a great songwriter. I love American Idiot. I that's my favorite. That's the only Green Day album I ever bought. And I have it on vinyl. That's the only time I ever bought a Green Day album. I think they're great. I just they're a rock and roll band. They're not a punk band. Why? Because he he dyes his hair. Like I remember watching their '94 Woodstock performance, and he's up on stage and he's pointing around. He's like, "Look, that guy's a punk rocker," and he's telling everybody that he is. You know, and I'm like, "That's what you are, motherfucker." You know, I'm a punk rocker. I tell everybody that I am. But they've also been around for 30 years, right? They're still making music that gets gets a lot of airplay. They even uh, made a Broadway play, man. Right. What's more punk rock than that? I don't know. I totally remember the first time I heard that album. I remember there was like a staff meeting at the record store and we had to come in like a Sunday morning before it opened. And the manager was like, we have to play this. And it was like a cassette tape and put it in. And it was like turned it up it was we had a kick-ass sound system in the store yeah. like turn it up as loud as it would go and be like this is so fucking awesome and i was like yeah, I was okay i was digging it i was never like a oh my god i love green day i don't i don't think there's many times i uh 
I turn them on while I'm, you know, I want to listen to something, but I totally understand the, the impact that they had. I love Basket Case. I've, I'm basically more for the drums than anything. Let's hear it. All right. Sometimes I give myself the creeps. Sometimes my mind plays tricks on me. It all keeps setting up. I think I'm crazy. Great song. It Great is. Song. It just seemed like everybody followed their blueprint after after them. And then a billion bands sounded like the same production value as they did. And that's when you came out bands like Sum 41 and Blink-182. And, you know, and the list goes on and on and on. The 90s, late 90s punk was at its worst, bro. Well, that's like... um. Yeah, when grunge breaks and then there's all those like second tier, third tier grunge bands come running in. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like uh and say with alternative nineties bands, right? For every, you know, you've got the top tier like Weezer, and then you've got like Tonic and and uh Seven Mary Three and all those other bands that had like one song. Yeah. And Gr- Green Day did that to punk music. They yeah, they brought it into the mall. They took it out of the sewer. That's a great way to put it. They took it out of the sewer and brought it into the mall. That's a great analogy. The other band that had a huge thing in, in this year was The Offspring. And this oh, album was great. I thought they were just a rock and roll band. I never considered them a punk band. Well, and again, it's kind of like um, the same thing with are they as a band grunge? Are they rock? Are they, you know, what, what, what are they? They're also, this album is the best selling album to ever be released on an independent label. So that's like they were on that Epitaph Records, which I just, you know, which is a little punk rock. In, no, yeah. Their work I, mean, ethic, I, but. I dig them a lot because they did shit on their own terms. Like they really did pay their dues and make it up the long way. You know, they didn't get like play like a bunch of showcase shows and got signed. No, they fucking dogged it out, man. Just you grinded know? it, grinded yeah. it, the, uh, muck and grinded in the corners. And he, the lead singer is a really intelligent guy. He went, he, to an Ivy, he went to an Ivy League school, I believe. He did. Here's a little bit of Come Out and Play. They have a pretty sexual, uh, successful career. You know, you still see them around and they still release albums. And they're, you know, they're still on the radio every day. He has a PhD in molecular biology from USC. And he, uh, wow. pretty interesting dude. I don't know why, like, some of the punk guys are, like, so smart. You know, like Henry Rollins is, like, the Renaissance man, Dexter Holland. Because they were all, like, geeks, you know? Jello Biafra. They were all, like, just bookworms and geeks and then one day the geeks became cool like the singer of the next band uh 
Greg Graffin from Bad Religion is a PhD, and he is like he's he's taught at Cornell. Oh wow! Which I would be, I would love to go. To, like imagine that you go like I'm going to go take a class, and here's the lead singer for Bad Religion is my professor. But, wow! Uh, I I love Bad Religion, man. I love this album. He's a little bit of 21st century digital boy. I never knew too much about them. I seen them open up for Pearl Jam a couple times, and they and they rocked. But I don't, I don't, I don't know them at all. Okay, well, we're gonna see them this uh, spring when they play with Social, Social Distortion. Yes. All right, I'm down with that. Yeah, right yeah, they're one of my daughter's uh, favorite favorite punk bands. So, how's she making cool. out? She's doing well, man. She is. She is booking a bunch of trips. She's going to. Uh, she was just telling us she's got tickets to. She's going to Stonehenge this weekend. Nice. And then she is getting, she's got tickets to go tour Anne Frank's house in Amsterdam. Wow. And she's going to like the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam. So she is going to be going to like Paris and Amsterdam and, and all this other shit. So stay away from the Red District, kid. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. She's saying she went out to a pub the other night with some of her friends. And, you know, she doesn't know what she's going to do with the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl is not what it comes on at like seven o'clock our time. So it's 1230 yeah. at night. She's like, some of her American friends may try. They're going to try to stay up or she's like, may just try to watch it the next day and just avoid the news. Got to watch the Super Bowl. Got to be an American. Got to right. watch the Super Bowl. Yep. All right. So the next bucket I have is just like rock and roll. And this is kind of like rock and alternative because there's shit that's just like all over this, all over the place. Kind of pretty much everything else on the list. And I guess the maybe one of the bigger albums that came out was the Blue Album from Weezer. Oh yeah, great album. Yeah, I I never liked them. I don't. That's I don't the think... only album I like by them. I, I, I get why I, you don't. I get why you don't. Totally. I think, I think it's like the nerd rock thing just bothers. I don't know. Just something. The original idea was great, and then they they've been around too long, and then they just start writing songs like blueprints, like a, a chemistry set. You know, like everything has its place. He's another dude too that um like left the band for a while and he went to Harvard and like he's another the, one of yeah. those like super smart guys. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's just I don't know what about the, I just I just don't like them. I hear you. But I hear you. Here's a little bit of say it ain't so. It's a different kind of song, a different sound at the time. It's very clean compared to a lot of recordings of that time. They're a very clean sounding band. I think I don't like them for a totally just like minor, like the girl I dated at the time just hated them. 
And I think sure. I just it just poisoned my my whole attitude towards them. I don't know. But I also I don't like the cover of Take on Me that they came out with recently. I just like it's it's just too much for me. I don't like anything they've done in the last twenty years. Yeah. Yeah. Thirty years ago that, that album was rocking and ever since then the second album's good too, but like after that, forget it. When they start doing Muppet songs and shit. Yeah. Not against the Muppets. They're right, absolutely not. I have nothing right. to get none right. at all. Right. I'm a Muppet kind of man. You know what I mean? Like Sure. All right. Well, we can just keep moving on, man. The next one I had on the list, this was one of my favorite albums from the this year, and that was The Downward Spiral by Nine Inch Nails. We played Closer coming out of the monologue. This album was like really important to me as a high school kid. I listened to this shit so much. I didn't really. I got into the Pretty Hate Machine. I never got into this record. I think again it's because I was listening to Fish, and this was just really out there shit. This is some heavy stuff, yeah. like for like, industrial, like the industrial yeah. music. Yeah, it brought like it brought industrial to mainstream. You know, they did, and that's probably why they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I love Nine Inch Nails. I think they're fucking great. He's I read- amazing. I read something this week that this is a considered a concept album. Like this tells a story of like one dude like on the downward spiral mentally. And I I never heard that before. I never thought of it before. Oh, I want to listen to it now. Yeah, I know you're a big you're a big uh, concept album guy. I, it was I, always, I see an episode coming. There you go. I it's been, yeah, it's something I see an episode coming. Trial. There you go. He also recorded this house, this the album in the house where the Manson, where Sharon Tate was murdered by yes. the Manson family, and then yeah. he was like, he's out getting grocery. He was doing something. And he, Sharon Tate's sister ran into him and was like, "You're just exploiting my sister's murder." And uh, he he kind of said he felt like shit after that. But he's a scumbag too. He's not really a nice guy. I don't know a whole lot about him. Yeah. He's just, uh, I, re- I read uh, Marilyn Manson's book, and I know about the guy from the band, uh, Hey Man, Nice Shot. Filter. Filter. He was in the band, Nine Inch Nails. And the way that Trent Reznor like, treated his protégés was mm. awful. Mm. He was just an awful, awful person. Okay. Pantera Far Beyond Driven. I'm broken! God, Dimebag was the shit, man. Nobody sounds like that, man. I don't even listen to Phil. Fuck him. I, I like listen to Dime the whole time. I'm listening to them. I remember how they was still carrying the flag for metal during the grunge era, the punk rock era of 94. And they were like the only metal band that was on the record charts. And again, nobody sounded like them, right? Because it wasn't like the super. It's not like Megadeth, where it's just like speed, 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 no. and like that that higher area of the guitars. Their shit was so. 
grooving. Like, they had a yeah, groove. right. It's grooving, right? <clears throat> they were they were groove metal. I think that's a, a thing that they can they consider themselves was a groove metal kind of thing. They were slick, man. They were tight. I seen them a few times, and nothing nothing was like seeing a Pantera show, bro. I saw them in like ninety two, ninety three. And then I saw them uh, last summer on their reunion tour with Zach Wild. It was good. I felt old as shit, but uh, it was good. Yeah, I didn't go to that. Nothing gets anything. I just, I wasn't feeling it. Dime was everything to me. I don't want to see Zach Wild playing, you know, a cover band riffs, you know. And I and I love the the drummer that they picked. You know, um, Charlie Bennett from uh, Anthrax. Nobody's better than him. There's not a better drummer around better than him. I was reading a little bit about the the song Five Minutes Alone from Pantera off this album that I, yeah. I really like, but I was like, Where, what's the story behind that? So they were opening for Megadeth and Pantera's playing and some dude in the crowd was like flipping them the bird and telling them they suck and Phil like stopped the show and was like, hey man, there's 18,000 fans here who like us who shut the fuck up and then the crowd just beat the shit out of the guy and uh <laughs> His he he uh the the kid and his family wound up suing Pantera and his dad was like just give me five minutes alone with that Phil guy and I'll I'll teach him to to call yeah, out good my luck kid with that shit right right and so Phil wrote the song and I guess Phil was kind of like bring it that sounds like Phil let's shift gears totally dude a, a complete opposite end of the rock alternative spectrum and that was Oasis's debut album we should also put on the list like. Who is more dysfunctional, the Gallagher brothers or the Robinson brothers from the Black <laughs> or the guys from the Kinks? <laughs> yes. Or the McCusker brothers. We could do like a four four way battle tag team match. <laughs> right. This album really brought that British pop rock sound like back oh, yeah. into, you know, there's bands like Blur and and things like that. Sure. Open the whole door to to like a, a new version of English rock. The Guardian mag, uh, the Guardian newspaper rated this the 14th greatest album of all time. <laughs> I, was like, I doubt are you, that. Are you kidding me? I can see if they would say Morning Glory, but not this fucking record. I mean, Rockstar is a good song. Coffee, cigarettes, is that what it's called? Or alcohol and cigarettes? I don't know. Yeah, cigarettes and alcohol. Yeah, that's a good song. But, you know, what was their hit? What was the big hit on that record? It was uh, Live Forever. That's a great song. Remember, yeah, like I, they were saying shit, like they were bigger than the Beatles, and well, uh, they're just ridiculous and drunk. Those boys, they just was always blasted and just talking shit. I would, I don't know. I kind of thought they were funny. You know, they didn't give a shit. They they were talking like they were in a bar, like you know, all the time, all the time. Yeah, and uh, they would like fist fight each other and shit. And, Holy shit. They're, they hate each other. They're on that, you know how much money they would get if they fucking got back together? They would play like huge arenas. 
or stadiums, not arenas, stadiums. But and they just can't they can't get their shit together, work with each other. I don't get it. I mean, even the Black Crows are back together, right? They, those two put their shit together, and the the Kinks were working on it before COVID happened. Just not just being in a band. Look at Mick and Keith. You don't get more brothers than they do, and they stuck it out for all these fucking years. They also came out with an album in 1994, the Voodoo Lounge album. See how I did that. You did, and I picked up. I picked it up right away. I was like, "We're gonna move them up." In the, I'm gonna move them up in the outline just to pick up what you're putting down, dude. I'm on it. Yeah, dude. Voodoo Lounge. I was listening to the driving into work today. It's like, uh, it sounds so different than all this other stuff that's going on, but because they're they're the Stones, and they're, they're like, the "We're gonna stones. make a, it's a rock and roll gonna, album." Right. We're gonna make a Stones record. And I was like, uh, "Like you got me rocking" is on there, and I'm like, "Dude, they'll still Great. rip this when they, they go." They played. Every, they played every night. Right, and it still kicks yeah. ass. Yeah, here. Yeah. record that whole record is good they're really good at writing songs too that have like shit you want to sing along with well mixed vocabulary and how we write songs are unbelievable like my favorite story i probably talked about on the show before bono did a interview for rolling stone magazine for mick jagger back in the 80s and bono's asked mick how did you write all those songs how did you come up he said i lived them you know, can you imagine like, lis- listening to some of these songs and like, like something like Brown Sugar? You know, I right. live that. I live that song. Right. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's a rough paper route. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dude. Always. You can't go wrong with the Stones. They're the, they're the greatest rock and roll band of all I time. I like the new album. I do, too. I got, I got my $400 ticket ready to see them this Did you? You're going to go? You're going? Fuck yeah. Fuck nice. yeah. Right, we're saying they're like uh, this year that the Eagles tickets were a hundred bucks. Maybe, we, maybe we, we paid like three hundred a piece. Well, we went and saw them. On my we birthday. saw them for your birthday, and we were like in the ba- top back of the spectrum, uh, like the last row. But they still kicked ass. Oh, that was a fun time. All right, man. The album "Wait" from the Rollins Band is oh, another yeah. album, man. I played fucking all the time. It's it's not on Spotify, but Wait, so his last studio album. He no, he did like two more after this, but this is the last one with with the he fired the Rollins band at some point and has like all new musicians. This band had like a they had a little bit of like a jazzy kind of sound to them. There was like there were different musicians. Yeah, totally different vibe than anything he did. Here's Liar. I'll pull it up on YouTube. Oh, I love it. You want to know why?
Uh, he's he's definitely one of my favorite people in music. Me too. He's one I of the most him. interesting. Absolutely. I went and saw him to, uh, the year after the pandemic. I went and saw him. And uh, you got the yeah, I got that poster. It's autographed. Bar. It's autographed by him. And I got these little rock and roll kids that come in my bar. And they look at me, who's Henry Rollins? Uh, I was like, what the fuck? They ask me questions all the time. Uh, do you know who Cream is? <laughs> I'm like, no, motherfucker, I don't. Uh, that yeah, I love that Rollins band album. That was the biggest hit he ever had. But oh yeah, lo- love it. Oh yeah, he's famous for being Henry Rollins. He's like the Renaissance man of of rock and roll music. Yeah, he'll, he'll probably never make a rock and roll album again. Yeah, he said he's largely done with music and all the bullshit that comes with it, and. He's pref- yeah. he he writes and he does like you know like a radio show and he's all he's got a podcast he's all over the place. But he is one of my heroes. He's he's one of mine too. Next album is Throwing Copper from Live. I I listened to this album so I much. I know it's one I, of your favorites. It, it it's is. Like, it's like your Desert Island album. It is. It is. Yeah, they I were know. one of my favorites. Yeah, I I love this record, man. I do too. Yeah, I remember when we worked in a music store, I had a post note in it saying that nobody was allowed to take this home because I would play it every day when I was in the store. I remember it was like my favorite record of that year. And then like that lightning crashes blew up and I was like, oh, my God, this song is so depressing. They had a stretch of like three or four. They had four albums that were all pretty good. And then they just went down in the toilet. And uh, well, we went and saw them on the reunion. The, was that the 20th yeah. anniversary? It was with the other singer because they but had another 20th, singer. But it was yeah, the 20th of this anniversary. album. Yeah, yeah. Now it's the 30th. <laughs> right. That's how that's how quickly this this shit changes. So but uh, yeah, here's a little bit of all over you. I love the drums on that too. There's some big bills. I've seen them 13 times, 14 times. Wow. And it was it was cool because like I liked Mental Jewelry the album before this. Yeah, and I liked it was that like too. the when I first saw them, they played in like the Wildwood New Jersey Convention Center and it was like wow. this small venue like for this the, like the beginning of this tour. And then I saw them on the last night of the Throwing Copper tour and they played like the Spectrum in Philadelphia. Oh wow. And it was in like the second row, and it was like it just it was cool. And I'm like I, like I was yeah, so cute. I'm like right, you followed them as they got huge, and now they're you know they're playing small clubs. And Ed Kowalczyk's the only one still in the band, and they uh they got a whole fucked up story. Like they they lost all their money and some like investment scam and shit like that. And they all sued each other, and they just kind of oh, fell apart. But what a mess! What a mess! For a while, they they were writing like in smart lyrics. Right, he oh, had all dude. this spiritual shit. Unplugged. The Durham unplugged was great. I watched that this weekend too. Yes, I had a bootleg of that, bootleg CD of it. Loved it. Do you ever? Do you remember Pride and Glory? I remember the name. It was a side project from Zach Wild and two guys from White Lion. 
and they only made this one album and i was like oh, let me let me play something off of it because we'll never we'll never talk about them ever again i love but it white was, line white line was a great band this was this was a pretty solid album too. That this was something that when I was looking through the list of albums that came out this year, I was like, oh shit, I remember that. There's a song called "Losing Your Mind." It's like heavy. There's a banjo in there. Very Almond Brothers. Yeah, like heavy, heavy Almond Brothers. I dig it. I, I kind of cool. remember it. Yeah, I kind of remember it. I've listened to it. You want to take a little break? Yeah, brother. And then uh, I got a couple more rock albums, and we got some other odds and ends kind of shit that came up, and we can we'll get out of here. All right, everybody, stick around. We'll be back. Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by McCusker's Tavern at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia. There's something for everyone on the beer list and the jukebox in McCusker's. It's minutes from the sports stadiums in Philly, making it a great place to stop by for a few drinks before or after a concert or a game. Come see for yourself why everyone from Philadelphia Magazine to Playboy has called it one of the best dive bars in the city. Visit them at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia or on Facebook. That's McCusker's Tavern. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, Looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. 
Brooks. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know, a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, <laughs> oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business, and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. I personally think a good pair of Doc Martens and a flannel shirt never go out of style. But some of the fashion from 1994 is probably a little dated these days. But you know what never goes out of style? A kick-ass pair of socks. And you can get a kick-ass pair of socks from Boldfoot Socks. Boldfoot makes great dress socks, casual socks, athletic socks, compression socks. I sound like Bubba Gump talking about all the different ways to make shrimp. Every pair of comfortable, durable socks are sewn in America for materials grown in America, and they donate 5% of all their proceeds to veteran-owned charities. You can check them out at boldfoot.com. Ryan, maybe we can meet up with Josh since we're going to be out in Vegas in uh, January 2025 for a couple days. Maybe we can uh, return the favor when he came to McCusker's. Vegas, baby, Vegas. The uh, prisoners are going to Vegas, baby. Yes, I know Josh. Uh, Josh listens regularly, but I'll be uh, I'll be dropping you an email, brother. Let you know when we uh, get our plans locked down. Hell yeah! Right on. Damn, that song sounds great in the headset. I want to bounce it off the wall right now, bro. Uh, thanks so I much for sticking that. with I us. I never felt like that with that song before. That's um, that's a great album, dude. That's obviously yeah. Machine Head off of 16 Stone by Bush. They still uh, they still kick ass, man. I've seen them a couple times over the years. I like him, Gavin, whatever his name is. Rosdale. I tend to like really good people, really nice people, and I had a few friends that met him as it said how genuinely nice he was and just calm and very cool and polite and talk for a little while so i really like him a lot that's awesome i saw him i think it was with live a couple years ago and he did a thing it was you know one of those outdoor concert venues and he was he came up on the lawn and he was running all through the crowd and yeah. singing and like he went like right by my daughter and my daughter like touched his arm or something but she had that total like oh my god, oh my god. I thought, like like he's was like, so excited like, he's like a he's, dream boat he's a yeah, dream right boat. right yeah, so yeah. it's like it was just a cool moment for her and i know she's she's a big fan and so yeah that mm -hmm. album still holds up oh yeah that's a if you were like let's go see bush i'm like fuck yeah let's go yeah i don't know if they're still making music or what they're i'm sure he's still around you know that I give him so much fucking props. When Woodstock 99 happened, 
Corn came on and fucking destroyed the motherfucking place. Like the riot was ready to happen then. The next band was Bush. What's he do? He comes out and plays Listerine for the whole fucking crowd to chill the fuck out. Just just dial it down. Dude, it was an amo- it was an amazing moment. And like, whoa. He just took the whole place in his hand and just chilled the whole fucking place out. It was nice. unreal. And Woodstock 99 was very awful if you caught some of those documentaries. Monster from REM. I I like I like the the frequency song. Do you? All right, here. I like that song because my band plays that song and we kick the shit out of it. Okay. Can I, can I plug a gig? Yes, please. My band, High Street Records, will be playing McCuskers May the 4th. It's going to be a nice. Star Wars theme party because May the 4th be with you. It's going to be a hell of a time. I, I suggest everybody get there. It's your fucking show, man. You don't have to ask if you could plug something. You could, <laughs> get the hell. I appreciate that, but, you know, not necessary. So tell the warden, May the 4th. He'll, I'm sure he'll be there. He's probably sitting. He's camping out right now. Speaking <laughs> of camping out, I camped out to get tickets to see REM on this tour. Because back in the day, kids, when you had to visit before the Internet, you would sleep outside in a parking lot. They were the outside of a ticket master to go. Right. You'd, have, you'd talk to. People. Everybody, right? Just, uh, I had some of the greatest times in a parking lot waiting for concert tickets to go on sale. Even like during the winter, because the the summer tickets would go on sale during the winter, so you'd be down at the Spectrum, freezing your balls off in this time of year for a show in June. You know, I I went to this concert and it was one of the worst shows I've ever seen. Like he was singing off of sheet music, and yeah, I just. Uh, He's he's a little bit too much for me. Some of their albums, like the uh, Out of Time, is a really good album. I think came yes. out in ninety one. This yes. one was so it's so different than anything they ever did, right? Because they try to be like a rocker. And I think it was a couple of years ago. I tried to go back and listen to it again to see if my opinions changed, and I just never, I never got into it. No, I'm not an REM fan at yeah. all. I like that song because we, you know, I play it, and I do like the end of the world and whatever like that, but. Dave Matthews band, dude, they're uh, oh, yeah. under the table and dreaming Great comes record. out. I remember when this album came out and a record rep was giving away tickets to see them because they were like, they were not a thing yet. They weren't popular. Oh, no. Yeah. But I remember this album came out and then the next album, Crash, came out and they were playing stadiums. And they're yeah. like Buffett now. Like they tour every year. I have friends that go every single year to go see them. I, I've kind of lost track of the music they've been making. They're like the the poor man's version of fish like all the people that fish is too much for them they they tend to follow dave matthews because you know he's a little bit easier to understand his music but makes uh, sense i like dave but he put like he said he puts a record out every year i don't want to go see him because i'm not gonna know any of his fucking songs you know i haven't listened to him since the crash album 
I think that's about where I uh, spun out with them too. And I remember, I mean, shit, that album. We were working together at the time, and yeah. we were playing it. We would play that every. I remember, time. like a like a summer afternoon, you know, like a Tuesday. There's not a lot of people in the store. We were blasting that working oh, on blockbuster yeah. music. Ants but marching we, is a yeah. the end of ants marching, man. When they really, you bring know, when, when you see them live and they bring it is really cool. Oh yeah, Buford Card is a great drummer, man. I haven't heard that song in 20 years, and what a great fucking song that is, man. It is a good tune. I was just thinking, I wonder if they still close with that. I'll have to ask my friend at work that goes they play, to season they're like the They're like Fish. They're like the Grateful Dead. They play a different set every night, so you yeah. never know what they're going to catch. They, yeah. may not, they may play that once every four shows, hmm. you know? All right. I know that they've had some turnover in the band. Like I've, I, We talked about them a couple months ago, and I was like, oh, Yeah, they shit, turned over to our toilet. They yeah, turn right, around right, the bus toilet. That, right. <laughs> Chicago. Ah, shit. Literally. Yeah, ah, literally. Shit. <laughs> yeah. All over is poor people. Yep. The album When I Woke by Rusted Root came great out in record. 1994. It is a yeah. great record. And I everybody knows that song, Send Me On My Way. Yeah. I also put the song Ecstasy on here. That is my fucking jam. I was going to think, dude, the drumming on that is yeah. they bring it. All right. Yes. Here. They're a great band. That uh, album is awesome. I haven't listened to that album in yeah. 20 years, but that was a staple in the bar. We had that was it? On our, we when back in the day when you had the jukebox with CDs in it. That was a like a, a staple in our jukebox. I seen them. The first time I saw them was on the Page and Plant tour, and it had to be like 94. And uh they opened up for Plant and Page. And they came out and they kicked the shit out of it. And while we're standing there, they're handing out pamphlets about like the bio of the band. Tom Petty discovered them. Really? Yeah. I knew some of them were from New Jersey and they kind of came up in like the Pittsburgh area. I saw them around that time, too. It wasn't with Page and Plan. I don't remember who it was, but I also saw them them at the Tower Theater in Upper Darby, Philadelphia. And uh, what a great fucking show that was, too. That might have been where I saw them. Yeah, dude, hearing that because they have like two drummers and they, yeah, it's just they're uh, they're another jam band. They're like a jam band. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really that's a great album. And uh, I mean, that song sent me in my way is still in like commercials and movies and it's all over the place. Oh, yeah. You hear it everywhere. Speaking of jam bands, you know, Rusted Root was a jam band. Dave Matthews was a jam band. Do you remember Blue Shadler? Yeah, of course. Dude. How do I? How do I? How could I not forget them? Like one, Derek. John Popper went to high school with my wife, and two, that's right, that's he's, right. He's you've talked to him like four times and read his that's comments right. on the show. 
I haven't talked to him in a while, but he's a great dude. Uh, he's he's very down the earth. Like you know, he was interested in what I had to say about a few things, and he commented on a th- few things I had to say, and he we agreed on a, a few things. And I was like, oh my god, I know something about music. <laughs> I know something. Yeah, I remember he was chiming in on like the Beatles or Stones debate and some other yeah, stuff, yeah. and and he know. he wrote like two paragraphs. Yeah, I was like, holy shit. Yeah, dude, this album comes out, and this album was huge. I mean, I remember them making a big deal about he was the one who was playing harmonica on the Dave Matthews Band album. That's like, right, before, right. So like he they the broke other song, before, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, the other song, Blues Traveler broke before a little before Dave Matthews Band did. Yeah, I saw them on this tour, and man, they were so fucking good. They 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 they're such a great live band. What do I got on there? Hook? You got uh, Run Around. Hook's another oh, right. good song. Right, right yeah. on. But Run Around's yeah. a good song. Oh, once upon a midnight period, what was something in my head? I couldn't escape the memory of a phone call and over what you said. Like a game show contestant with a parting gift. I cannot believe my eyes when I saw That song is another one you hear on the radio like all the time, but yeah, you don't they really put a hear few like good albums out. They put a they, few great albums out. They the did. one after this, the one after this was really good. You just don't hear a lot of like pop rock, like songs like that anymore. What was the last time we heard from them? Was in that commercial? They were in that commercial last year or two years ago. Speaking of jam bands, one of your favorite jam bands came out with an album in 1994, right? Fish came out with the album Hoist. This was their like attempt to make a mainstream album. And uh, this was like when I first started listening to them, they got my attention with this song. Right when I heard this song, I, I, I jumped up and I was like, who is this? And I have to hear more of it. Right on. So, so let's hear a little bit. It's called Down With Disease. Waiting for the time when I can finally see This is all been wonderful, but now I'm on my way When I think it's time to leave it all behind I try to find a way to, but there's nothing I can say to make it stop Sounds like a Primus riff. Oh, dude, they're well. You know, Trey has a band with Les Claypool, the uh, Oysterhead. You know, Oysterhead, yeah, dude. I heard this song, and my friends are like, "We're going to go see them." And at this time, the only bands I was listening to was Guns N' Roses and Motley Crue, and and then they took me to see this fucking thing. And Bruce, it was a culture shock. It was like. I guess people how they describe in the sixties when they discover the Grateful Dead and it was the greatest moment of their life. Oh, it's awesome, dude. Yeah, that's I even have a tattoo of a cassette tape that says fish on it. It has the date of the show that I went to. Oh, it's awesome. Because they were big on uh bootlegs on cassettes and I had many cassettes of different live shows from you know, a lot of their shows from even the ninety four, ninety three, ninety two. So I had to get a little tattoo of a cassette fish tape, man. 
That's very cool. The Amiri and made I, a big, huge impact on my life. Yeah, that's awesome. So we got a one, two, three, four. I got a, a couple other albums that are on here. Uh, the Cranberries debut album came out. The Cranberries No Need to Argue album came out. And that's a song that had a uh, zombie on it. Well, that song's got, it's been played over a billion times on Spotify. Shit. Jesus. Right? Three, six. Yeah. A billion times. Wow. Jeez. Okay. Wow. It's a good song. I was like, yeah, it's that good, but. They know. got numbers like we do. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> all right. I wonder if the warden played that song 5,000 times in a row, like, like all of our numbers. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, it was, that was a decent album. It was just a different sound. I like zombie you know i'm sure we're gonna play that one but um i like do do, do you have to do you have to let it linger i like that one better that was like their first album though. okay okay yeah that was before this but uh you could play a little bit of zombie give it uh, a billion and one plays on spotify nice. God, that song was huge. It was so different for them too. Much like the yeah. "What's a Frequency," Kenneth. Like just going left and going heavier, playing yeah, they, in. Yeah, I, who knew, who knew when she came out that she had balls like that, man? Yeah, it's a shame she just passed away like a couple years ago. Yeah, she was a great singer, a great Irish woman, also. I must add. There you go. Hootie and the Blowfish is cracked rear view. Mirror, I, I, dude, I don't care. I fucking love this album. I love that song. That song, Hold My Hand, is just a, it's a, oh it's perfect pop song. Man. What are you gonna we play? Uh, I was gonna play Hold My Hand, but Hold my um, hand. we don't, we don't need to play it. You, you play just sang it. it. Come on. All right, all right. With a little love and some tenderness. We'll walk upon the water, we'll rise above the mist with a little peace and some harmony. We'll take the world together, we'll take them by the I believe they're doing their 30th anniversary run. They are. I was at work today and was talking to my boss about my, I actually went to high school with my boss and I was telling him that I was, uh, what I was doing tonight. And I brought up Hootie and he's like, Oh, I'm going to see them. My, my kids got me tickets for Christmas. Yeah. Remember how big deal they had the Hootie condoms. I don't, I don't really? remember. No, they were like selling. They were selling condoms at their concert called the Hootie Condoms. <laughs> no, it was I like don't. on MTV News and everything. Oh yeah, that's what I remember about the Hootie and the Bluefish. Cover your Hootie. Oh my God! I'll look it up later. I don't remember that. I just they're just a college rock band that made it big. Yeah, they just, were. Fun. I really like. They were yeah. a great band. They're a great pop band. They had, I love a few of their songs on that record. They take a lot of shit. You know, over the years, but they're not as bad as they weren't as good as everybody thought they were. And they're not as bad as all the backlash. But. What's the song they have? It's time. 
Yeah, time. That's a great uh, fucking song. Yeah, that's a great fucking song. And he's become a huge. Oh he's yeah, a, he's a freaking enormous country music guy yeah. now. God but bless him. Another college band or like standard issue '90s band that had put out an album in 1994 was Toad the Wet Sprocket. Ugh. I I fucking love that. I know I you don't know like you them. Do. Ugh. I, we've had to edit out things you've said about them. <laughs> <laughs> Walk on the water. Man, I uh that was nineteen ninety one. Oh, okay. But here, here, this is what they came out with in nineteen ninety-four. I've called and never speak. You would say nothing's changed at all. And I can't feel much over. I went back and listened to that whole album uh, this weekend ready for the show. Love it. Love it. I used to fuck with this kid in high school that wore a toad shirt. I used to break his balls all the time. Uh, Loser from Beck came out. Man, what groundbreaking this was. This is really groundbreaking. Dude, he is so fucking awesome. I seen him open up for the Rolling Stones up in Hershey, and he fucking brought it, man. He had a stage show. I hope he gets in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame one day. He's so different. It's so groundbreaking. See how we're talking about recordings and the sound of recording and like how the Green Day album's too clean sounding? That shit sounds more punk rock than that fucking shit does. He's more, yeah, that lo-fi sound. It's not really. I wonder what he recorded on. I'm sure he recorded on something vintage or maybe like a four track, you know, because it's just a, a very few things are going on. I respected him a lot more when I started reading a little bit more about him, like how he would play a lot of the instruments or even the. Uh, oh, yeah. It's later, but like all the vocals on like that, uh, the two turntables and a microphone, like it's yeah. all him just layered up on top of him, each other. He uses the studio as an instrument. Yeah. Tori Amos came out with an album this year, and she is a um, maybe a descendant of Kate Bush. Oh, but I this man. album, I, I I like this album. She gets she like, got a little yeah. she got I like weird. I, she got weird in her later albums, but this is the album like Cornflake Girl is on, and here's a little bit of the song God. Sometimes you just don't come through. You need a woman to 
Yeah, I like her more than I like Kate Bush. Oh, yeah, I do, too. Yeah, she's, you know, she, like, brought her mental illness to her music, you know, like. The dolphin sound at the beginning is a little yeah. much, but this era of Tori Amos, I like. Oh, yeah. No, I think I saw her a couple times, too. Dude, you know the snobs are going to put her in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, I, we might have bought some time with uh, Kate Bush getting in. I got two more on my list, and if we can go through some odds and ends, but uh, Jeff Buckley's Grace album yes. came out. Oh, God, I love his version of Hallelujah, man. I listened to this album again this week, too, and uh, man, he had just such a, a cool he voice. Had a different voice, it, it, something original, something unique, and he died young. He died before he got famous. This He had this album. And he was recording his second album and he was taking a break from recording and uh, he was recording in Memphis and he went into the Mississippi River to go for a swim and uh, a tugboat went by and he got sucked into the wake of the tugboat. He had um, his like somebody in his band, they had some instruments or like a like an amper shit on the side of the, the banks of the Mississippi. And when the, the wake started coming up, it was like going to splash the instrument and one of his buddy who wasn't swimming went and picked them up and moved them. And when he turned around, he was Jeff Buckley was gone and he just got uh, sucked under and they found him like a couple days later. I remember reading that his father died also drowned in the Mississippi River. Also, his father was a musician. His father died of a drug overdose. So oh, then I, I, I had I had heard that exact same thing. And I looked it up today to see because I was like, I remember that story. And he said he, he died of a drug overdose. Okay, I heard that like fucking thirty years ago. That so did I. Drowned in the same. Yeah. So know. did I. Yeah. His mom released his second album that wasn't finished too, which was really good. It came out like two years later, but um, yeah, his. So he covered "Hallelujah" from Leonard Cohen, and it, it is it is just yeah. Let me here. ask you a question. Yeah. Does he do it better than Leonard? Um. No, I'll I leave I it alone. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't. I don't think so. But Leonard Cohen's version is like it's like meaner. Like there's like a Leonard Cohen has like a disgruntled edge to him. Like yeah, uh, yeah, he's a stylist. Only, yeah, he's like a stylist. the only the only thing I I learned about love is to outdrew somebody who outdrew you. Like the the lines just have more like oh. Like angst to the when Leonard sings them when he's when the verse comes I was like but you don't like music do you what a, what amazing line that is hit it here's up yeah here she tied you to her kitchen chair she broke your throne she cut your hair and from your lips she drew the fucking chilling man it really is dude he's um, an angel man his, that voice wow there's just that big clean guitar sound and yeah. then the way each verse as it progresses his voice gets more he, powerful it's a different song than the one that leonard cohen did yeah it very it's a much different, is. he made it his own 
you know like, and uh, it that seems like something like i don't watch a lot of american idol but it seems like every season some nick tries to cover that song and be like why like why like you're never uh, gonna do it justice much like he, much like somebody tries to cover like a queen song like you're just dude you're never gonna you're never gonna come close the worst cover of that song i've ever heard was in the first shrek film and mike myers is singing it in like a low point of the movie and i'm like listen i'm like get the fuck out of here with this like i couldn't believe it mike My- you know shrek voice singing this song it's it's sacrilegious bro i heard a great story about dylan and leonard cohen hanging out and um Leonard Cohen's like, oh, I love that Blood on the Tracks album, you know. Dylan's like, you know, one song, it took me uh, two weeks to write it. You know, it was really pain in the ass. He's like, I love your Hallelujah song. He's like, oh, thanks a lot. It took me 10 years to write it. <laughs> Leonard Cohen uh, has a song about getting a blowjob from Janis Joplin. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I think it's called the Chelsea Hotel or Chelsea, Chelsea Inn or Room 49 at Chelsea or something. It was like there you were at the edge of the bed, giving me head. And it's about, it's about Janice Joplin and about how like they broke up and he still loved her or something. But anyway, God, she's a train wreck. Yeah. Save that for the, another episode. All right. The last album we had on here was another album that dude, this is in my, my top 10 albums from the nineties. And that's um dummy from Portishead. Oh yeah. I was thinking about it this week. Like this album was what introduced me to like, Music could be more than just I was listening to a lot of like, you know, heavier shit and rock and roll that that music could be weird and different and like electronic and uh, nothing has ever sounded like this album. Nothing. I agree with you. It's a one of a kind thing, bro. Even their other albums that they put out with didn't didn't stick the mark as much as this one did. I love it. I still listen to it. This is Mr. Ons. Oh, I love the sound of that snare drum. Oh, it's haunting. They are yeah, um, really interesting that a lot of the samples, so like the one dude in the band was into collecting like music, like old like movie soundtracks. He said he didn't even know some of the movies. He would just collect them, and that was where he would pull all the samples. And then later in their career, they were running out of ideas, or other people were ripping them off. So then they would write music, like they they, they would write scores to soundtracks and then sample their own shit like they would like i'm gonna write a song that we're never gonna use for anything just so i can pull a sample from it to make more music so um wow <laughs> super interesting man and they yeah know, like, that's a way to do it really interesting i i like all that like trip-hop music like massive attack and all that shit like that but that out that portishead album man is just it's just one of my favorites so i think that's that for the albums i um i got some other just stuff i'll just run through real quick like um I was looking up like soundtracks, like the Crow soundtrack came out this year. Oh, I mean, that yeah. was enormous. Yes. That changed shit. That changed yeah. that changed shit. Like Stone the, Temple Pilots was on that. The Cure, whole, the Cure song on there is fucking great. There was a whole ton of stuff. The Natural Born Killers soundtrack came out oh, that, that year. Oh, that was too. a great one too. Oh yeah. 
That was, uh, was like that a was worth kind of thing, wasn't it? Leonard Cohen was on that. That was the first time I got introduced to Leonard Cohen. L7 was on there, a bunch of other guys. Years of like hip hop. So, um, man, there was some big stuff like Nas. Nas's first album came out. Warren G, like Regulate, that song Regulate. came out. TLC's album, the one with Waterfalls. Water, yeah, Waterfalls. That was a huge album. It was. The Crazy, Beastie Boys. Sexy, cool. Crazy, sexy, cool. Correct. The Beastie Boys, man, they come back with Sabotage. We, we should probably play a little bit of that. Pump it up. They really like gave a curveball when they when they pulled that shit out. I think one of the best moments of the MTV Music Awards is when Green Day played, on, and then the stage rotated, and the fucking Beastie Boys came out and played that song. Amazing. And then there was a debut album by this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, to all the ladies in the place with style and grace, allow me to lace these lyrical dishes in your bushes. Uh, Who rock grooves and make moves with all the mommies? The, the back, back of the, the club, club. sipping my wet is where you find me. What? The back of the club, macking holes, my crew's behind me. Uh, Mad question asking, blunt passing, music lasting. But I just can't quit because one of these honeys Biggie got to creep with, sleep with, keep the epicenter. He was the greatest ever, man. He fucking flowed. He was so smooth for so smooth for a big guy that he was, you know, just a B.I.G. I mean, he changed shit. What can I say? The, like the beats that he played. It's not like we said, like a lot of this, like, um, you know, like rhythm and blues music of the 90s sucks. Like the, the music he sampled was all yeah. decent. I was just the, said, oh, yeah. I wish it said fresh, but it's like um, we could use all the terms tonight. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I got my bingo board in front of me, but um, Puppy knew what he was doing. Puppy knew exactly how to market him. He knew what kind of backbeat music he needed to go with his style. Puppy's smart motherfucker. What I remember reading something with him. He was talking to Lil Kim or something and Lil Kim was like, yeah, I want to be a star. And he was like, you got to write every day. He's like, why do you not have a pen in your hand right now? He's like, you yeah, gotta, you gotta true. work at this. You just don't go out and and make this and just, uh, you know, for as as much as a dude that he had a rough upbringing, you know, slinging drugs and stuff. But he was like, this is a this is a craft, and you got to work at it. It's it's like any musician, and he was a hell of a musician. Yep. He wasn't a rapper; he was a musician, and he was fucking unbelievable. The Brian Setzer's orchestra came; their debut album came out this year. Jump down well. Yeah, just um, yeah, that brought all that shit together. The, the, the superheads and all that shit. The Beatles live at the BBC collection came out. Oh, that year. was great. There's some awesome stuff on there, man. The yeah. covering some early rock and roll. I had that on vinyl. Dude, that must sound awesome. It is fucking great. Johnny Cash's American Recordings one, so that's like his first uh, mm. partnership with Rick Rubin. And then I mentioned the monologue. Mariah Carey's friggin' Christmas album came out this year, so she transformed from a soul singer to, to Snow Queen. To the Snow Queen. 
Ugh. I, it's like what we talk about, man. What are you going to be known for? And, right. You know, who knows? Man, all the amazing music that she made. Amazing music. And the only fucking thing someone cares about is the Christmas song. Unreal. She probably never needs to work again. Good forever. for her. I think that's it, dude. Is there any other songs you want to talk about? No, man. I, I'm all 1994 out, bro. Yeah, I am too. There's a bunch of like, you know, random singles and stuff, but they're all on the playlist. You can go back and and uh, check them out. So let's uh, get to the back end of the show. I got some music news. So the first was the Grammys were this past weekend on uh, February 4th. So some highlights. Billy Joel played a new song for the fr- it's the first new song sucks did it i didn't listen to it <laughs> yeah it sucks okay taylor swift became the first artist to ever win album of the year four times so she was uh i think sinatra had three and a couple other people the swifties they took yep. over the world yep and then the big the big thing was luke combs performed fast car with tracy chapman on stage and um yeah i heard she, she sounded great, man. She, I know, I know you don't like that song, but it was it was a cool moment when music is so divisive, and you had like country dude and a black woman, like a gay totally black woman, like on the stage. Like it was, totally it was a cool, it. it was a cool moment. I totally get it. I give her mad props. It's just, you know, a bummer, man. And she also doesn't like. She's not in the public much anymore. So it was, no. it was cool. It was cool to see her, and she sounded good. The country music star Toby Keith passed away. I heard that today. Yeah. So he he had stomach cancer. He was ill for oh, quite a, a while. Shame. He was ill for a while. He was all over country music, man. In the 90s, he had. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I love like this the bar. American guy, right? Yeah. Like, take this job and shove it kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like, uh, we'll put a boot in your ass. It's the American way. He, he did a lot of stuff. Like, so, like, like it was a song he sang like at the Pentagon for the troops and he released it. But, uh, and it read, I'm sure you've heard red solo cup 8,000 times in the bar. Is that him? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, like, maybe he's not that bad. He died. Um, I heard the red solo <laughs> cup died. The, the red, the guy who made invented the solo, solo cup. cup oh, he died this okay. Week. Oh, okay. That's what I read anyway. All right. Kerry King announced he's got a solo album coming out. So nice. Mr. Former. King. Former Slayer guitar player Kerry King debuted his new band and released a single called Idle Hands. He said it was a song he wrote when he was in Slayer, but he never released it. Kerry King said that his manager, promoter, and his record label all wanted Phil from Pantera to be the lead singer for this band. Kerry King said like they're good friends, but he's like, it's just not a fit. So he's got a the lead singer from a band called Death Angel. Is, oh, he's great. Is, is he? All right. So yeah. He released a single called Idle Hands. I haven't listened to this yet, but uh, I want to hear it. So begins my revolution. Violence spreads my retribution. It's a great retaliation. I can't believe what I see with my own eyes. Can't just set the truth upon the lies. I eat all tears at the core. Deceiver, I'll believe in your face. I fucking love it. Okay. And it's just not because I'm friends with Mr. King. Right. You did shots of uh, Jägermeister with Kerry King. I did. He was one intense dude to be around. I'm 
I he was a very no nice doubt. guy. He was so nice. Like, let me just say, he was so fucking nice. But he is very intimidating. I could tell just by looking at him. But yeah, dude, I I I'm the, I was never like a huge Slayer fan, but I'll you know I was digging that. No, dude, it sounds different than Slayer. I give it that. It doesn't sound like Slayer at all. Second thoughts. Saw that there's a We Are the World documentary on Netflix. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, I watched it. Yeah, we watched. Uh, my wife and I watched it too. It was cool. It was nice that uh, Waylon Jennings was actually like they had the video they of showed him, him in there. walking off yeah. stage. I'm glad we did our show first. It was nice that we we were in front Above of the, the curve. curve. Yeah, yeah. So nobody could say we were biting off anybody. So if you want to, if you watch that and you want to go learn more, we did an episode on it and then got some feedback on our Doors episode. John Corrali on Facebook said, thanks for posting this. I can't wait to listen. The Doors are my favorite growing up. I got a hold of No One Gets Out of Here Alive and a copy of Soft Parade and the rest was history. And then on YouTube, the YouTube user McNowski said, Jim Morrison was just a young buck when he died, so he obviously was both brilliant and a buffoon. Who says you can't be both? Beautiful. I feel the I same way, brother. I love how that man thinks. I love how I don't know who you are, but I love you, pal. <laughs> feel the same way. All right, the electric chair. I got something this for this this week, man. Yeah, you sent me. And I was like, I refuse to listen to this. Oh no, I was going to play the Lisa. Lo- I was going to kill Lisa Loeb. Oh. Go ahead, sir. If we could kill that other one some other time. No, let's do Lisa Loeb. All right. Where do we start? This coffee house fucking song. Ugh. Yeah. So this song came out in 1994. And uh have a thing for girl with glasses. I can't help it. Yeah. Sure. But this song, man, is... Uh, I know somebody who played a gig with her and she thought she was hot shit. Lisa Loeb acted like she was hot shit? Yeah. Oh my god, dude. Like I she can't. wouldn't like talk to anybody or anything. You know, like it was like a I, coffee house gig. <laughs> I didn't like this song when it came out. Um I don't like it now. I don't like it when it comes on the radio. This was for a movie, wasn't it? This was for reality was bites. Was it? Yeah, I think this was some reality bites. I think yeah, this song bites. It's uh, uh yeah, I'm an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> we sentence you to death. I had to turn my microphone oh. off dude, because I was laughing so loud. Oh my god. Uh, I'm an asshole. Uh. <laughs> I kill me, dude. I think I'm the funniest guy around. That song sucks, dude. <laughs> so that'll do it for. That'll do it for. <laughs> I love doing this show with you, pal. I laugh all the time. Uh. It's fucking great. That'll do it for episode 78. If you want to take more of a trip back to the music in 1994, <laughs> there's a link to our episode playlist in the show notes. Go check out the full versions of all these songs, even that one, and support these artists, even her. Uh, you can support us by following us on your favorite podcast platform, leaving us a review, and telling somebody about us. You can also drop us an email, check out our website, connect with us on social media, or stop by the legendary mccusker's tavern in philadelphia if you're in that part of the world there are links to all that stuff including a map to the bar down at the show notes this was fun dude i really enjoyed Uh, this this trip i hope everybody had fun with us man
Yeah, Bruce, as always, keep on rocking! Peace out! I'm just a prisoner! To achieve the American dream, the big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.